Are You Playing? Hello, and welcome to What the Bleep Are You Playing? A podcast where we play a game, sometimes good, and tell you why the bleep we played it. I am Sean the Dragon. This is Ganasty Gatamas and Mason the Dragonfly. And we played... Spyro the Dragon. How you guys doing? I get it, because I'm the fat fuck. <laughs> I don't know why that one really got me. <laughs> so, uh, this is my final game of the season. This is one of, uh, like my, my, my final game last season, this is one of my uh, top five games of all time. Uh, so, I very much, very much am happy to talk about this game, because I have great affinity for this game. Whereas I think you guys both have a closer feeling towards Crash Bandicoot, this was my PlayStation uh, cartoony mascot. <laughs> yeah, up up until recently, I knew next to nothing about Spyro. I knew it was a thing that ex- is a thing, and that's really about it. Spyro has always been. Look, I'm I'm. I think it's a, out of the three of us, I, I'm the 3D platformer guy. I go out of my way to play a shit ton of 3D platformers. And they uh, tell yeah. us to play them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until recently, Spyro has always been a big check mark on my list that I've just never crossed off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about the franchise. I have just never been compelled to play it. So. Well, I think there's a couple of things from the beginning. It is very similar in tone to Crash Bandicoot. Maybe not as many dark things, but it is very much Looney Tunes goofiness esque to it. Uh, not quite as I, I think there is a, there are differences to it, but it is it it is very important to have the goofy nature of it. Uh, yeah, see, for me, whenever comparing Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, I always came to the comparison of Looney Tunes and Disney. That's fair. That's Dis- fair. Disney still has that wacky zany bullshit a lot of the times, and I'm saying that as a positive. But in the end, it's more trying to tell you an adventure story. It's more trying to tell you a journey. Mm-hmm. Looney Tunes just wanna just kind of wants to make you laugh and possibly tell a story. That's Crash Bandicoot. Spyro is Disney. That's kind of where my comparison went to. Actually, I like that one better. I like that. I like that really well. Uh, but it they are they are despite being kind of tied at the waist a lot of the ways. Uh, so much so that the same character designer designed Spyro, like the characters and the dragons, uh, and Naughty Dog and Insomniac had offices across the hallway from each other and literally, you know, worked with each other, put the demos of the games on each other. I think it was Crash Warped. Yeah, yeah Crash 3. Yeah, Crash Warped. Had and Spyro, Spyro had demos on each on vice versa of them. So mm-hmm. uh, there is, they are very, very close together. And then they were both... Sold off by their company or licenses it with their company, and Universal Activision now has them both. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tell you exactly why I haven't why I've missed out on Spyro for so long is because you don't have a PlayStation. Well, I, the, well, the thing is, I did have a PlayStation. I had a PS2, but I was like five, so I didn't I didn't I barely knew what a video game was, and then by the time I had kind of become cognitively aware of what video games are we got a 360 
and I became a Microsoft whore from there on out, pretty much. And the Spyro games that would be on the 360, which I think I would like to re- would like to visit. I've actually, after the PlayStation trilogy and one Game Boy game that I didn't like, I kind of was done with Spyro. Uh, I would like to visit the GameCube slash 360 trilogy that came out, but uh, the quality, in my opinion, had dipped to a level at that point that you know I, I can imagine not necessarily stepping your foot out if you didn't have prior connection to that. Right. And even even then, Spyro just was never as big as he mm-hmm. was when he was a PlayStation. Oh, absolutely. Solo thing. So yeah, so yeah, apart from like the odd Nintendo console, I was a Microsoft whore. And then when uh, the uh, Insane Trilogy and the Reignited Trilogy came out, Insane Trilogy was the one that I gravitated more towards. And, and I think we, we, we when if plug for a different podcast the how the bleep you do it which over on our patreon we did we did a crash bandicoot how we would make a movie on it crash band and one thing coming out was crash bandicoot was everything in the 90s spyro mm. was not that now spy he was was spyro big yeah it sold well it was reviewed well it was a big hit it was one of the mascots but it's kind of the same way as like people know what samus is or they know who Star Fox is but they don't associate those necessarily with the system, or those aren't the big sellers all the time. Compared to Mario, compared to Mario, yeah, or, or yeah, or Link, or even Donkey Kong, like that. That, that they're kind. Of, Spiral was top tier, but it was still a. It was not Crash Bandicoot in terms of marketability, uh, mascot level character that Crash was. It's very funny that they would kind of swap places with their next trilogy because Ratchet. That was the one that was everywhere. Yes. Ratchet and Clank just took over the fucking world. And Jack and Daxter was just kind of on the sidelines. And I, I, I yeah. think that might be some of it also for that. It was also the, the Ratchet and Clank game. Ratchet, the Ratchet and Clank games Ratchet were and Clank. some of the best reviews game reviewed games of the entire PS2. They, yeah. the, Especially and, some of them were, you know, you were just getting tens, tens, tens. Whereas Jack was like eights, 8.5. Seven and a half, things like that, where it was like really good, but like everyone's like, "Yeah, this is really good." But have you played this ten out of ten game? <laughs> yeah, right. which if we're talking Insomniac's history, that's the series that I like out of mm-hmm. this. Ratchet and Clank was the one I gravitated towards. All of one game I've played of it, but <laughs> that's more in, than the, until recently. That's more than I'd played of Spyro, and so. that's I think you can see. Spyro in the Ratchet and Clank games. You oh, can yeah, see the, 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 the humor, the style. Whereas kind of Jack and Daxter was, while it's still goofy, it was uh, Naughty Dog trying to be a little more serious with their stuff. Uh, and a little more, like, you know, doing a little bit more serious story, but not being as goofy. Uh, yeah. Ratchet and Clank is still very similar in tone to Spyro. Like, they, they Insomniac had a style <laughs> that In- they really yeah. stuck with. <laughs> Insomniac still has a style. Like, yeah, they do their Spider-Mans and probably their Wolverines are going to be different. But outside of those games and Resistance, they've their games have been very similar in tone. It's also kind of crazy that Spyro got made because Insomniac had... It was their second game. Uh, it was big. And their first game, Disruptor. Raise your hand if you can remember that game. Uh, very few. And because it was a commercial failure. Yeah, it reviewed well, but it sold like ass cheeks. <laughs> and they, they kind of moved... Because Disruptor was a first-person shooter. Yes. And they moved into the platform world. And I think what's really interesting for Spyro the Dragon is it kind of is that Mario world feel that you're in uh, one hub world, you run around with lots of little uh, little worlds to it. Mm-hmm. The difference yeah. in this versus, say, Mario is there are all... The, there are, there's, there's worlds, 
and then there's the hubs, and then the levels. And so, like, yes. uh, 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 you have lots of different worlds that are different designs, whereas Mario kind of is one area that you kind of move from different spots to. Yes. Right. But it adds that. So it has kind of that open feeling without being an open world so, game. Something I appreciate about this game is actually that the hub worlds still feel like levels. Yes. That's something that uh, I think Mario Sunshine got, but Mario 64 really did. not Mario 64, aside from the occasional puzzle, it was you walk around. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but... With Spyro, the hub worlds themselves feel like levels. Yes. Yeah, there are dragons absolutely. to find. There are dragon eggs to find. The the thing that's interesting about the hub worlds, and I think this you know, a, a really good place to start on just talking about the game, is those those worlds are always your tutorial for what that world is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's little differentiation. So like, you know, in the Peacekeeper's world, you'll have an ice level in there. And there's no ice in the, uh, the main hub world. Yeah. But all the enemies are similar. All the, the, the skills that you're going to need are very similar based to that. Uh, the best example of that is the, the second to last world, the Dreamweaver's world, where that hub world is fucked up. It's weird. It's got all the, your enemies cha- being changed into different things that you can't attack or they changed into way, you know, all right, if they're big, you can't charge them. If they're small, you have to charge them. If these ones, when they're big, you cannot attack. If they're small, you can. Like, there's a lot of magic and weird things you have to do. But then it falls into every one of the levels, which are weird and lots of different design uh, things that you have to incorporate in. It's a way to show, hey, this is kind of those things you're going to be having, skills you're going to have to need for each of the levels in it. Yeah, it's a very well-designed game. Yes. Let's let's get that out of the way. This game is pretty brilliantly fucking designed. Oh, yeah. In terms of... Not even just the level design, I mean like the progression. Mm -hmm. Like it goes uh, so far until like, say the first boss is very simple. You're just kind of wandering around, lighting his ass up. (laughs) I mean, look, Toasty is my favorite boss of all time. Not because he's he's easy, but because he looks menacing, and then you burn him, and it's just a sheep on stilts, and that is the funniest thing to me. <laughs> he's this menacing scarecrow with a scythe, and you burn him twice, and then it just all goes up in flames, and he's just a sheep on stilts running, and I love him. That is really funny. Yeah, but then that progresses until the final boss, Ganasty Canork, and where you're, you know, zooming along, you have to find keys to unlock, basically. The entrance to his final fight, you have to chase after him and light his ass up at the same time. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when you unlock the second part, you have to be able to go do serious platforming uh, yes. to, to to get through because you're on a time limit. Which the when I the recent playthrough that I did with it, uh, when I got to the second part, I forgot that I had to go fast and I get like halfway and I'm like, wait, are these things going in? Oh no! Oh no! I cannot! Oh no! See, I didn't realize it was on a time limit, but luckily I went fast anyway, so by the end of it, I have like this much, like the width of this fucking microphone left. So I just imagine Sparrow like shimming over on his hand. Like it's like shit, shit, shit. A uh, cu- couple of in- interesting things, uh, uh, gameplay wise. <laughs> the, for the, the, the first thing that was interesting is that. Uh, Thomas, you played on the on the PlayStation Two too, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know I, I played on the on the PS Two as well. And I was playing with the with the PS Two controller. And as I was playing it, I, I was like, I I had a realization that was like, this is a PS One game. This isn't the controller that it was meant for. That would have to be hell trying to play a 3D platformer like this with a D-pad, right? But the good, the good news is by the time it was developed in 1998, 
the joist the the joy joysticks were all a, a thing now for uh, you could get the dual shot controller at that point. You could. Yes. I thought okay. See, the PlayStation thought... the PlayStation had the D pad for the first couple of years, and then you got the the dual shot controller. Uh, and so I think that was ninety seven is when the dual shot controller came. In. It might have been in late ninety six, but ninety seven I'm pretty sure is when it came. Uh, the dual shot became a thing. Uh, and so this game, 98, would have been designed with the DualShock in mind. I could have sworn the DualShock didn't come until the PS2. Nope. nope. It was definitely it a was PlayStation 1. I, I owned only Dual... I didn't know that there weren't DualShock, because I, I had a DualShock, and then I had Mad Cats controllers, because, you know... Oh, God. You know, that's what you well, had. It had... Well, it had... And then I went over to my cousin's, uh, cousin's depl- uh, and we were hanging out, and he had his PlayStation, and his was a... Gen 1, like first PlayStation that came out. And I had the controller and it didn't have the the DualShock on it. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so yeah, that was that was something they developed quickly yeah. because of this Nintendo 64. Well, it had to... Yeah, the Ape Escape came out on the PS1 and that literally required an analog controller. RC Stuncopter came out on the PS1 mm-hmm. and that literally required the analog controllers. Okay, so, yeah. so, the, so the DualShock would have been out at this time. Why doesn't the left analog stick control the camera? Because That's just something we don't. Because we don't know if everyone had one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't packaged with the console. We didn't know if everyone would have. The one. other thing oh, is okay. also if you play a lot of PS One games mm-hmm. that are are those they they we weren't to the moment to mapping the other analog stick to the camera. Mm. That still was the. It is. It is weird to realize when you realize that it's R one and R uh, R one and L one for the the camera. It's R two and L. Or is it R two and L two? Whichever one. Yeah, it's R two and L two is for the camera. But that is how that is how a lot of platformers were made at that time. Yeah, that's for how the game. Ge- that's how Gex two and three were. Mm-hmm. So. I would have appreciated the option, I guess. Uh, the and the the other interesting control thing for me was that so. There, there are two different attacks that you that you get when you play. You, you, you can spray fire with square, right or no circle, and then with square you can you can charge, charge it. Yeah. You can charge your head and you can run across. I found Spyro easier to control while I was charging than when I wasn't. So I everywhere I would walk around, I would be charging. I'm always charging, just in general. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is because of kind of that mechanic the, there that the uh insane trilogy actually ups the speed the sorry yeah the reignited trilogy actually ups the speed just a little bit so that you're moving faster all the time uh you are moving a little bit faster and the, the charge a little bit faster so everything's a little bit because yeah there is that feature of it's easier to control spyro by a little bit i, I don't think he's hard to control with there but he is meant to be running a yes. lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's meant to be running around at the speed of... Wait, wrong game. It's Damn almost it. like he's a child. <laughs> he's yeah. just running around. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is the funniest thing about this game. And we can get more into gameplay stuff and all this sort of thing. But the funniest thing about the story of this game is this basically some dragons went on television and insulted Nasty Nork. And he's like, hey, don't do that. And <laughs> well, freezes fuck, them all. Fuck you. <laughs> which... I actually do like that the Reignited Trilogy adds one more line of dialogue into the uh, opening uh, that is not in the original game. And that is that Nasty Nork has developed the ability to turn gems into monsters. Mm-hmm. That's added in the Reignited Trilogy. It's not in the original uh, line. But I, I could pretty much quote the opening, line, the opening dialogue. I've seen it so many times because it was on the demo disc that we had and we played that. And then obviously I've played the Entero World Suspiro thousands of times so the the interesting thing and this is something i'm just now realizing about that opening um that opening cutscene. how did spyro not get hit 
Because he's so he, tiny. He's he's the he's I think in the lore he's the la- the only child dragon right now right now. Plus the, the eggs the because he's the only one. Every everyone either was slightly older than has grown up to the full size. The beam is for the full size dragons, and they're waiting on the eggs to hatch. So anyone that is not Spyro was stolen. The babies, the eggs were all stolen. Yeah, it's probably oh, one so, of my favorite bits. Uh, I think I might be misremembering this, but Spyro is, like, they freeze all the dragons in Gnostic, and Orc's like, ah, no one can stop me, and then the camera pans down to Spyro, who's just in his own little world, and then he looks all like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so so Spyro was a preemie baby, is what you're saying. Uh, I think it's just more that, like, he was at a Sp- different time. Everyone was born before him, or maybe he hatched late, he hatched He's a runt. I don't remember the exact lore, I, but yeah. I always took it as Spyro was just run of the litter. Yeah. Like he was okay. all like he was always just the tiny one that everyone made fun of. And oh shock of all shocks, he's the one who has to save the day. That's why, you know, when you rescue the, a lot of the dragons and a lot of times the you know, they're they're giving advice and he doesn't really listen to a lot of them. Or yeah, like, he's like, like Where's N- where's Nash York? Let me out of yeah. My favorite I think one of them is that's like, Spyro, I've got a secret for you. If you press X at the top of your jump, and then everybody's like, "Don't worry, you're, uh, your your secret's safe with your me." Your secret's safe with me. Let me get that out of the way right now. I'm so happy that they changed the Spyro's voice after this. I don't like it. Oh, I love Spyro's voice. See, I don't mind it, but I do prefer Tom Kenny. Oh yes, I do prefer the Ripto's Rage and the Year of the Dragon Spyro. Uh, my least favorite right now is the guy who's doing the uh, uh, Reignited trilogy. Really? It's just Tom Kenny again. He's doing a different, slightly different voice on it. I do not like it as much. I just fu- I again, it's not bad. It's just it. It he does. I like. I prefer the way he does the voice on Ripto and Year of the Dragon in the PS One than what he would do later on. Some of that's probably just age. Tom Kenny's age. <laughs> well, also, yeah, the dude's sixty fucking yeah. one. So some of that. So, a lot of I, some of that. I also wonder if it has something to do with like. I don't know if bit crushing is the right term, but like the audio quality of the of the. Wouldn't PS, surprise me a bit. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me a little bit. Kind uh, of that. Maybe it's an, like a like a nostalgia type thing associated with like the the sound that the PlayStation was capable of that is nowhere near what it's capable of now. Yeah, yep. something I do kind of like about Spyro as a character. It it's funny that he and Crash were so tied at the hip because they're polar opposite characters when you really look at it. Mm-hmm. Crash is. A loony, zany son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. He goes around, he body slams people, he's always got a dumbass smile on his face unless he's afraid. He's he's the goofball. Spyro's a snarky asshole. Yeah. And I kind of like that. Like, yeah. he's... I always took it as he has been kind of picked on for his whole life, so mm-hmm. he's just... Like all these people, like I knew you could do it, Spyro, and he's like, no, you fucking didn't. Yeah, that's kind like, of Let me at him, let me at him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he sounds like to me. And I love That's it. what you sound like to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Damn. Shots fired. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Something that I also really like for a platformer is that instead of putting a health bar necessarily on you, your health is determined by your dragonfly, Sparks, mm-hmm. uh, who eats, to, to get health back, you get butterflies. Uh, obviously, there's some platforming that if you just fall off, you're going to die. You know, the dragon. No matter no matter how many health points you have, the dragonfly is not going to be able to save you. Yeah, but dra- I, this is the game where I learned that dragons can't swim. It's very interesting. Uh, in uh, well, uh, why do you think they're all so big so they can just stand in the water? Yeah, <laughs> and also their wing, wings get cut. But it's interesting in the reignited trilogy. A lot of times when you fall in the water, he's still alive and he's just like nuts, <laughs> like kind of like things like that. Like it's very interesting. He's not drowning. But yeah, in the old game. Yeah, he's drowning. Oh shit! Oh shoot! <laughs> he is. He is very much drowning. 
but I, I always kind of liked the sparks, the dragonfly as a, a health barometer uh, versus, you know, I, I think if they had just thrown like, it's no different than having like hearts in Legend of Zelda or any of the, you know, the, the yeah. watermelon in Donkey Kong Country 64, you know, yeah. it's no different than those. But I don't know. There's just something aesthetically pleasing to the dragonfly being the health meter because maybe it's just not on the screen. It's more of just, you know, behind you. Yeah, uh, man. Can't believe Dead Space ripped off Spiral the Dragon. <laughs> if I played Dead Space, I'd get that joke. The health bar is the thing on his spine. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I like that it's uh, you know this nasty Nork, but people pronounce it Ganasty Ganork. I, I, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. so fun. It's just so fun that no, but that people mispronounce it. Look, it, it's dumb English jokes you know saying that like hey you know the g in the n has says and it makes an n sound but we're not going to pronounce it that way no you know no you're not you're not saying it right either you got to say it like spyro does nasty york wow <laughs> spyro's voice really i did not expect for i genuinely to... felt nothing yeah. towards it i like tom kenny better but i didn't find it fucking obnoxious yeah. i love i don't know i and maybe look, I'll say some of it. Maybe nostalgia. I grew up on it and everything like that. I've always loved Spyro's voice. So uh, I don't. I don't. I don't it, it's not that I like hate the voice itself, but it, it, after a while, it just kind of got grating. Hmm. One of my other favorite things about the game is and we're just kind of doing story sp- stuff here on a lot of it, but certain dragons, when you rescue them and they're crystallized, they'll act like they've been doing stuff in the crystal, like. They'll appear like they're cooking or they've been doing stuff and things like that. And you're like, did you get like in the crystal? Were you in a different world? Like, were you like not? What, what exactly happened here? And things like yeah, that. The, yeah, the crystal acts like the, the, the lamp in Aladdin. Phenomenal cosmic power. There's just a lot of silly, goofy things, which I think is one of the biggest strengths of Spyro. And I think that is the enemies. Yeah. Platformers. We recently played... Uh, Wallace and Gromit, and uh, for pretty good platforming, but kind of like the enemies around weren't were kind of annoying. And they're and just robots, yeah, and things like that. This the game, and again, like different styles. So I'm not trying to say like that's necessarily a horrible thing for Wallace and Gromit, but like in this game, the enemies being just this goofy, ridiculous nature. The the big guys just being like, you can't get me. You're not gonna uh, get these huge guys. Come close to me, and you just one little burn, and they're dead. Uh, the fact that the majority of the Norks are actually scared of Spyro and they run away from you uh, is actually really funny. That like, oh yeah, you, they're they're like, you, you created me and you didn't give me any powers. I'm just a short little dude. What do you what do you expect me to do? It's almost got like the opposite thing of the uh, the Family Guy game where it's every single character is just one hit and they die. Well, that's how. That's I don't I'm not gonna say that's how every platformer should be because mm-hmm. spoilers, Sly is not like that. Mm-hmm. And that's our next game. Spoilers, I guess. But um, it, when it comes to platformers like this, you know, these open world kind of environments, I think one hit kills are the best for the pacing. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you just end up with a game where uh, like a lot of PS2 era games and like Spyro himself would fall to in the PS2 era where you just stop every couple minutes to just have a fisticuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, and there are a few enemies, uh, there are some, obviously bosses take more than one hit and move on, but there are a few enemies that take two hits. Uh, there, there's, in the ice level, there's guys with, uh, that are, have armor that slide on it that you have to charge and hit them twice to knock them off the edge. Uh, in Toasty, there are the shepherds that send the dogs that you have to burn them twice, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise they flatten you. So there are a few, but yeah, the majority are one hit. 
and, and some of it is like, all right, I have to figure out, I have to, I have to pay attention to the enemies and see, all right, is that something I can burn or charge? And they'll put those two together, you know. And so you have to like, which one do I attack first? All right, I have to do that. Uh, and then you'll get a little bit of variation of, you know, wizards and different things that can do damage from long distance. Mm-hmm. It'll help you. But I, I think the what is cool is that every hub world and then every every world as well has uh, different enemies. They are mm-hmm. they are unique and different depending on their surroundings. In, in, yeah. in the first world, they're just kind of norks. Uh, in the second world, you get a lot more of the big hulking guys. You get kind of the uh, the, the 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 potion ladies that slap you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about those the, those potion ladies. They they're very. They're very interesting. You get potion lady. I'm going into battle, and I need your finest potions. The thing that I love about those, specifically those ones, is that their slaps don't hurt you. They just send you flying, and if you're close to the edge, they they send you they off. send you flying. Like, yeah, I didn't take any damage, but I'm on the other side of the map now. What? <laughs> one of my one of my favorite uh, uh, enemy things is that when you go into. Uh, what is it? It's like the peacekeepers. That's world. the second one, yeah. Yeah, you go in and it's and it's like a big dusty battlefield, and there are these giant cannons that are around that 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 have like gnorks operating them and stuff. And if you kill if you kill a gnork that's operating a cannon, you can then take the cannon and push it around and use the fire, and it can shoot off the cannons. And you can destroy tre- chests. You can kill other norks. You, there are obstacles to break. I, yeah, it's I, very fun. Uh, you, you, there's a, there are another version of cannons in the f- second to last world in the Dreamweavers world that are used that send off magic beams that make things bigger and smaller. Oh uh, wow! That are very some of the, those are really cool as well. Which are a pain in the ass. Yes. I, for the most part, this game's perfectly fine and easy. I guess I, w- I won't say easy, but like fair. Mm-hmm. Those enemies are a fucking dick. <laughs> Dreamweavers is the one world where you get to it and you're like, oh. That's the difficulty. Yeah, I, it's not even hard for me. It's mm. more like, oh, god damn it. Like, <laughs> some of the hardness like, of this game also is optional. Like, because you're just needing to collect enough dragons, treasure, eggs to move on to, for the balloonist to move you on to the next world. You know, I think I, I think I beat the game at about 65% of all collectibles uh, this time. Uh, so like you can get through the game pretty easily without you know, collecting everything or doing things and still beat the game. Uh, but, you know, th- there's a lot of challenging things and trying to get all of it. And that is, I think, one of the one of the great things about the game in general and why I think I've played it for so much of my life, 25 years, uh, wow. is that... Tell me more, Grandpa! Is that the game is... You can get through it and you can go through it and you can win the game. But you can stick around and trying to perfect it, trying to find all the secrets, trying to, to figure out all the things, try to collect everything. Uh, there's, a, there's a really good replayability element to it. And you know, if the game sticks like it does with me, you're going to play it a bunch. But if you're not, if it doesn't, it's okay. You can still play through it and still enjoy it without having that obsessive 100%ing nature. Right. But yeah, that, that's, that's very fair. It's, it, I think this game is fine. I don't think it's great or anything. I think if I... I think if I played... Uh, because what a shock! This, Mason thinks the game is just fine. Put it on the bingo card. Folks. Well, no, here's, well, put here's, it on the bingo card. Here's the thing: it, it's Spire of the Dragon is a great starting point, and that's really I think as far as it gets. I think if I like if if nothing if nothing else, this game makes me want to play other Spyro games. I don't think I could. I don't think I would find myself going back to playing this one again. 
I definitely want to try out other Spider-Man I would be games. interesting to see you play the second and the third one. Because here's my opinion on it. And again, I have most of my Spyro stuff comes from playing the first game. I'm going to say that. That's the game that I've played. That's the one I've stuck to. That's why it's one of my all-time favorite games. Right. I think it's the best of the trilogy. I think it's the best Spyro game. Wow. So, and again, there, there are some people that do really like 2 and 3. Uh, 2 nice. adds a couple of new characters that become really big in, in, in the universe. Uh, and 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 they add more collectibles and a couple other things, but that's kind of feel like it. Just it's kind of like the Donkey Kong Country two and three thing. Like you know, uh, do they change up the formula very much? No, they just add a new collectible or a slightly new character. You know, things like that, and it, it's kind of what the Spyro trilogy is. It's, it's very funny because you are the only person I've heard, and I've heard a lot of fucking people talk about three D platformers. You are the only person I've heard who say, yeah, the first one's the best Spyro game. Wow. Yeah, that is what I've heard. Wow. <laughs> I've I've been just in different circles because I, I, I was like, oh, I, I'm in the majority here because I've never heard anybody. Everyone's all, usually the people I talk to are like, yeah, the sequels are good. And I've heard a couple people who think Ripto is their favorite. And one person I've met who literally likes Year of the Dragon. But almost everyone goes, yeah, the first one's the best. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've wow. never heard that. That's wild. <laughs> uh, different circles, I guess. Yeah. Well, here's the difference. You have actual friends. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> But it's it's but it it is kind of like he- hearing you say that it's the that the first one is the best. It's it, it it's kind of like it would kind of be the same of, of you saying that the first Crash Bandicoot is the best. Like that it's I it's know, a it's a great starting point, but that's really all it is. It's, I mean, I think the se- I, I do think the second Crash is slightly better, but I think the first one is better designed. It's just harder. There's my opinion. Mm. <laughs> Again, I just. <laughs> Well, I think the, what we're discovering here is that Sean is a massive hipster. Uh. <laughs> Sean's like, yeah, and... Huh. Uh, See... Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to like the first game in a platforming trilogy. Uh, I think, again, I, I think, you know, Jack and Daxter, Jack and Daxter is my favorite of the Jack trilogy. Uh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also the most whimsical, and I think that's why I appreciate it the most. Uh, I was going to say, with Jack, it's genuinely more like, do you like the tone? Yeah. Because Jack 1 and Jack 2 alone are so fucking drastically different. So different tone-wise. Remember when Jack didn't talk? And then in Jack 2, his first words are, I'm gonna kill Praxis. Good God. (laughs) Yeah. Jack goes... Yeah, Jack... Jack goes dark. (laughs) Yeah, very, very quickly. uh, And and does... Although, yeah, let's say, tangent on Jack and Daxter here. It does the edgy second game really better than almost any franchise has done. Yeah. Because a lot of times the edgy is a response to stuff, a la like Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. You're responding to something. You're trying to make it more to appease an audience. Whereas Jack Two, legitimately, that makes sense for the story progression. And it, mm. it like Jack Two makes sense that it would go darker after the first game. You know, mm-hmm. when you you think a lot of it, it like, like oh yeah, that makes perfect sense that that's where they had to, they went with it. But yeah, it yeah. is a tonal shift. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it all depends if you. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to imagine that because we're going, going through this whole thing of Sean being like, I usually prefer the fir- first game in a platforming franchise. Sean's the type of guy to be like, yeah, the Mario games peaked with Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it's all been downhill from here. Not Mario Bros. 1, but Mario Bros. 3, you could tell me. <laughs> Uh, for the love of God. But my favorite Mario Bros. game actually came out on the Super Nintendo yeah, System. That's Yoshi's, Yoshi's Island. Ah. So, yes, so uh, three games later than it did. <laughs> I would be very curious, again, 
spoilers, next week is a Sly Cooper game. I would be very curious to see how you'd rank those games. I'm gonna. I, it's gonna be interesting because I'm gonna have to go through and play all of them again. Uh, I remember uh, of them. I remember really liking Sly Three. Huh. Uh, but it was my, it was either two or three that were my favorites if I remember right. Well, two is the majority. I'm the weird fuck who has three as my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was either two so. or three, uh, and I think that was more very similar to kind of like what I what I said kind of about the Crash Bandicoot. Story wise, I really love Sly the first Sly Cooper. But mechanically, they fix a lot of the mechanical stuff in 2 and 3 for the games. And I think that's why, uh, uh, control-wise, uh, is why 2 and 3 stick better. You, could, you could be even weirder and say Thieves in Time is your favorite. Yeah, no, Thieves in Time <laughs> is no one's favorite. But I, I think that... I got a whole tangent about that, but we'll go back. That's next week. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be next. Uh, yeah. I, I think the other thing for other is that, like... This is kind of a weird era, thing that is not around as often is these, because the way platformers have changed over there, these big three, four game epic platforming stories. Yes. You know, and all of them are still self-contained. You can play one Spyro game and you're fine. You don't necessarily need the other. Same as you can play one Crash game and be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, in uh, those. But the, uh, putting them all together, you have this cool story from it. Same with, you know, you know we, we get more with, like, the uh, Ratchet and Clank games, which obviously have now gone way beyond three. <laughs> but, mm. uh, but and the Jack and Daxters and I, things like that. It's, it's mainly because uh, the 3D platformer kind of died. It's <clears> not that they're not around anymore, but you mostly see them in indie circles and things like that. There is... Mario Galaxy there, killed the 3D platformer. Yeah, there is... Whoa. There is, Whoa. like, recently Mario is the only one who's been, like, really big in the 3D platforming. Mm-hmm. You could argue Sonic Frontiers, but Frontiers kind of goes in a whole new direction. Yeah. You could argue Crash th- Crash 4, but Crash 4 came out a couple years ago. Other than those big franchises, and Ratchet and & Clank, but Ratchet & Clank has more and more focus on the gunplay with a little platforming. It, it's moved more to third-person shooter than uh, with platforming elephants. Yeah, but there is... Platforming elephants? Elements. Ah, oh, gotcha. But, uh... Like earth, water. <laughs> fire, air, wind. Long ago, the four nations <laughs> lived together in harmony. And everything changed when Mario Galaxy attacked. <laughs> you know, I w- hold on. I want you to elaborate on that statement you so made about Mario, Mario Galaxy. Ga- it- Mario Galaxy in a lot of ways. No, this is not. We've talked before about it. Mario Odyssey is fantastic, and it takes a lot of stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. Galaxy in a lot of ways is the perfection of the 3D platformer. It is the perfection, and from that point, every people trying to go beyond it or things like that, it has been a struggle to actually try to find platformer that is at Mario. What they did in that game. In a lot of ways, they perfected the platformer. So it, it's the it's the peak of all platforms. Yeah, that's it, it's it killed it because it was so good. Is it's, more, it's the peak. Uh, and I think there there's an element to that. Also, I think 3D platforms a lot of times were licensed material, as we've seen, and as less and less licensed yeah. game, less and less 3D platformers. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. another big uh, another big quote unquote 3D platformer recently was SpongeBob uh, the Cosmic Shake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or the Cosmic yeah whatever Cosmic Shake that's what whatever it, was it is. But yeah, it going back to Spyro, it kind of is. Spyro is a very interesting game because, like I said, I'm I got my big 3D platformer list. I can check it off now, and overall, Spyro is one of those games where I don't love it per se. It is, 
I'm kind of along the sides of Mason. I think it's better than fine. I think it is a very, very good damn game. But for me, it's kind of like I'm interested in the sequels because I don't know. I just never really clicked with Spyro 1. I could acknowledge that it was a fantastically designed game, very well paced. I think it's a very charming game. But for the most part, just something about the game didn't click for me, mm-hmm. except for one level. One level that made me go, yeah, this game's fucking peak now, and it's in the final world. Twilight it's Harbor? Twilight Harbor. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that world. Maybe it's the fact that there's a bunch of norks running around with fucking guns. Yeah. And just, <laughs> blasting, it, and just yep. blasting at your ass. Maybe it's that there are these enemies with metal barrels that you have to hit the metal barrels back at them. And the knock TNT them the fuck barrels out. is what, yeah. yeah <laughs> knock them. Twilight Harbor was the level where I was like, oh, uh, this shit's rad. I love this mm-hmm. shit. I so. love... The thing about Twilight Harbor and those those last two worlds before you get to Nasty Nork mm-hmm. uh, is those two worlds are less about creating necessarily new bad guys. It's more of like putting Norks in like cooler, doing cooler things. And because the final world is more technological based, Nasty Nork lives on you know it's an island. It's a little island. the hub world is literally just a circle in the middle of the gra- you know <laughs> uh, uh, and there with you know four doors. So like it's not like anything it's the smallest hub world by far i was gonna say it's just a room yeah basically and but it ever all the levels are more technological based as as thomas mentioned with nasty nork the the final boss it is uh you're having to collect keys to unlock doors to go through things which is something that has not been in the game previous to like actually have to do that like yeah you collect keys but those are for treasure chests uh it, it adds a different element to it and some of it i wonder if some of those I don't know the development and I haven't seen it there. I wonder if they maybe had one more world planned that they ended up backing off on. And that's kind of what became Nasty's world around it. I think there's a significant possibility of that. I personally kind of like that every other hub world is so bright Mm -hmm. and colorful and so wide open. Here, it's constrained, it's tight, it's dark, and it's like, oh, this is where the bad Mm -hmm. guy lives. Now, Nasty Nork is not exactly fucking Darth Vader or whatever, but I I think it does make his presence a bit more, like, fearful. And I, I think of the Spyro villains, Nasty Nork is the most well-known of the bad guys, I think, of the three. Yeah, I'd argue Ripto. Ripto is probably... It's either him or Ripto, but, you no know... No one remembers the chick from three. No, nobody does. <laughs> uh, and, and then... Although I'm pretty sure she comes back in some of the later... At least in the some of the other games, but I could be wrong. I think so. I know Ripto comes Ripto back. Ripto does. Ripto does. And Nasty... Did Nasty come back in Skylanders is the only place he appeared? I think that's the only place I he appeared. No. I, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's all you. I could be wrong because I, I have not really played Skylanders. But again, I think... I like Superchargers. <laughs> the, the thing about the um, all of that is that it definitely... Every hub world, especially as you're going know, from that, every world is very different, mm-hmm. which is is something really unique, honestly, in platformers. Like, you, it's unique in any game is when you get that difference across the board. Yeah, it's also kind of interesting that there are several hub worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, normally there's just one. And again, going back to Mario 64, there's usually just, like, one. And you go to different, like, sections of it to unlock different levels. But here, it's just the one. Mm-hmm. So... It's a lot. It takes a lot of the things that I and I think maybe look. And I, I'm going to fully admit, uh, unlike you guys, I played this game when I was ten, and so there's definitely going to be a nostalgia based attached to this playing this game over and over and over again. You know, 
pre 13 year old, you know, and well, having an attachment gonna, was, to it. I was going to say, there's a big difference between first playing the game when you're 10 and being like me and first playing the game when you're 20 fucking five. Yeah. So, yeah. so th- th- there is a, there's going to be a difference on that, but there is, there was definitely something for when playing it of going like, Oh, okay. I understand this platforming. Yeah. I understand how to do this. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I, I've a hundred percent Spyro the Dragon. I, you know, Mason mentioned in Clash, uh, Clash of Ninjas, like I have, you know, I have to give points to a game that I'm good at. And you know, that, that's going to be Spyro for me. I, I, there, there is an element of like, I'm good at this platformer. So like, uh, whereas there are many platformers I am not good at. <laughs> uh, and so like th- there is that element to it as well that I, w- I will fully admit that has, has kind of built my bias maybe on it as well. I, yeah, that's, that's, See, that's, that's that's the difference between for me with platformers i am the guy who if i'm not good at it i slap myself in the face i'm like get good you stupid (laughs) slut (laughs) (laughs) but i I, I can i can definitely see how this would this would appeal to like a a younger mm -hmm. a younger person i mean i can imagine if i had played this game when i was young if i was into spyro when i was a kid i'd love the shit out of Mm -hmm. this i i just spyro has never really for me, Spyro has never really been that interesting mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know why, because overall it's a, it's a very good franchise for the first three games. And I think post the first... Uh, <laughs> some of that might also be because post the first three games, the story and Spyro kind of fades. And Spyro as a... It's not that Spyro has, isn't still a popular character, It's but after Year of the Dragon and when it became... they You know, they started doing the... Uh, Spyro Cross Crash games and on the you know the Game Boy and then the uh, GameCube uh, 360 series, it, it just Spyro and even Ripto and Year of the Dragon did not sell as well as this one. This is this is their this is the big Spyro selling game. Really, this is the game that sold. This is the game that did That's well. Wild uh, to uh, me. That's wild. Uh, to me. I, Ripto is probably, I think, on par. I think if I remember right, and I didn't see the, the, the numbers between all three of them. I believe Year of the Dragon is the low one of the three in the I sales. Think, I think you're right. Uh, Ripto was on par, uh, and again, it, it's the, it, it's not that they change things up. It is that Ripto and Year of the Dragon are different mechanically. Yeah. Which again, I'm curious to try them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a while to guess and say I'll probably like them more because. When mm-hmm. it comes to 3D platformers, I tend to prefer sequels, unless they are just mm-hmm. very wildly different. Hey, know that Gex One is a fucking 2D platformer. Yeah, <laughs> I think you. I think I remember. It's you wild. Telling us that. So, uh, do not ask me why I know too much about Gex. <laughs> <laughs> so, Th- Thomas brought up the the thing that that made him go, "Oh, this is, this is this is really great," uh, and it. Kind of remind me of the of the thing for me that kind of elevated this from being like, oh, this is this is just kind of this is a fine game to being like, oh, I can actually see where this kind of like started something, and that was the music. Mm-hmm. My God, the music is amazing. Composed by Stuart Copeland, the, who is who's the... a, he's a drummer of a of a little little known English band. You might have heard of them. They're called The Police. Yeah, uh, and something really cool uh, in the Reignited trilogy. Is that you can turn you you can still listen to the the, the music and the music in the reignited is still very very similar. It's just a little it, it, it they do a little bit of like sometimes it's lower volume and some things like that. But you can just play straight whatever would be the classic music at any point. And I tend to play that way. That's uh, fair for it. I guys, I love this game. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I love this game. I I think 
you know, even even the things that maybe are frustrating or you're bashing your head against the wall, flight levels uh, can be really frustrating at time. See, I but <laughs> I I love them. I didn't find the flight levels that hard. They were just one of those things where I'm like, oh, okay, I got got to find the pattern, got to figure it out. The, gotta... the thing that pissed me off was like uh, those. Le- those levels were like you'd have to platform while you're supercharged. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like treetops, um, wizard peak. No, not wizard peak. No, uh, wizard uh, wizard peak was fine because it's literally you supercharge and then you just turn yeah, right. Yeah, not wizard peak. It's the other one in the magic crafters that you have yeah, to you have I, to go through and kill the spiders. You have to go through, kill the spiders, and then do this fucking fast and furious Vin Diesel ass ramp over this barrel bullshit when, but when you land it when you go high and when you hit the button at the right time my god yeah you are you are oh yeah you you soar on that son of a bitch but i'm also like i hit the wall and i'm uh fuck and i damn at least they don't let in the uh, treetops they absolutely let you die and boy that level can be really frustrating that's i in my opinion that is the hardest level in the game to complete because there's just so many weird things that you have to figure out all the puzzles and everything around it and catching the thieves and all the different things and getting flying long range. But the, uh, the magic crafters level where you do, at least they are like, we're not going to let you die. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm fine with that. It's <laughs> just, I'm not going to say it was badly designed or whatever. It was more me being oh, a yeah. dumbass. I just, it was frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, Again, absolutely. That is just me being dumb. That is just <laughs> me being bad. That is not a problem the game has. And then uh, when, you, when you do complete 100%, the final world, you collect the last 2,000 gems, I think it is. Yeah, uh, you rob Nasty's grave. Yeah, you, 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 wow. you, you go to the last, the last area, and you it's a flight level, and you collect everything, and you finish it off. <laughs> you uh, just rob the shit out of Nasty. Which is, it's a really fun Forget last world. So, whatever. like, I, it, I, I think this level... The thing I like is the game has a lot of variation, a lot of playing, a lot of different things you can do. Uh, it, it, it is a collectible game, which, you know, too many collectibles can be annoying, but I think it, I, I think it toes that line of just having the right amount of collectibles. DK, uh, too much shit. shit. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just all the Donkey Kong games eventually you're like, how many coins do I have to get? Why do I? Okay. Collectibles. Sure. But I think it, it toes that line. Well, uh, and I, you know, while the camera being mapped to the L2 and R2 buttons is from a, uh, modern look at it a little weird to go back into and things like that but the camera for a wide open platformer is really really good yeah the pl- mm-hmm. camera's pretty good uh, mm-hmm. it's it's probably one of the best 3D platformer cameras on the PS1 arguably the best because I, uh, yeah. the, the only other options are like Gex where it's fine or shit like Rascal where mm-hmm. fuck me yeah. <laughs> uh, because yeah, you really don't control the camera in the Crash Bandicoot games, so no. uh, uh, so yeah, like it, it, it definitely is one of the it, it. Considering how many bad platforming cameras would come after it, <laughs> I, I really, really do appreciate that uh, bit of the game. Mm-hmm. But on this podcast, we ask two important questions of every game that we play. The first one is, how does it hold up? I think it holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. I will, I'll wait my turn. I will wait my turn. I, think I will the, wait my turn. I think the game holds up fine. Yeah, graphically, obviously, it's not great, but I think... 1998 the, the, PlayStation I, I, game. I, yeah. yeah. With me, the PS1 graphics are also charming. Mm-hmm. In that way, they look like so 
fucking stupid and stretchy. It's funny. I think, and I think some of that, I, I, I said, I'm playing the Reignited trilogy as well because I'm just in a mood because of all this. And while I like a lot of the updated designs of the enemies and they look better, I really love some of their goofiness in the old graphics. I love that, like, the weirdly defined norks that jump in the tent and then when you burn the tent moon you that you can't really tell what they're doing because it's just, you know, these they're, they're square ass cheeks, you know? It's... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the game holds up pretty well. I think for a PS1 platform, the controls are pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some things definitely with, with with the controls that are hit and miss on it, but ch- I think, you know, overall, I, I yeah, the controls really have held up and aren't, are, you know, uh, again, you wouldn't map them the way you would now, but for the time and how they are, yeah, they, and they still work really well, so. The, the controls have, have aged great, I will say that. The controls are... Especially for a first attempt, they it's really, really satisfying to well, play. Well, uh, uh, some of it is also, you think if their first game was a first-person shooter. And at the time, you would map a lot of controls. Again, a lot of, it, the, a lot of the controls control more like a first-person shooter with the way it is, but in third-person. Yeah. But here, here, here's, the, here's, here's the thing. I think the PlayStation 1, I think like most PS1 games have aged like dog shit. Hey, where'd that red dot come from? Yeah! <laughs> Sorry. Visually. Visually, I think they've aged like dog shit. Sorry. No, sure, you're fine. I'm not sure, really. but I, I disagree. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, there, 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 there is some elements, but it's not trying to look realistic, so I don't think it has aged poorly visually. Like, I think... Now, it, if this was like Metal Gear Solid we were talking about, yeah, it looks like dog shit, like, but... I can understand like, that playing The Phantom Menace. Like, I can understand that when you're like, you know, the, the blocky humans, for, or even like Tomb Raider, you know. For, for me, the thing that makes the graphics of aged fine is that it's a cartoony, it's expressive. Yeah, it's the same way with Crash Bandicoot. I think it, they both have aged. Their graphics look great. Well, they, they were good at the time. They look fine now. I, yeah, I, I think they've aged just fine. I think, mm. you know, overall, like... Yeah, can you tell it's a PlayStation 1 game? Yeah, but it's not, like, awful graphics. All the environments actually look decent. You can interact with the environments in this game. Like, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can burn things. That You can light campfires. You can, you know, there, there's lots of environments you can interact with and things like that. So, like, no, I think this game is aged graphically quite well for what it is and what the and i think some of that also is the lighting we talked about it in the wallace and gromit game which would come on the next platform uh, system uh, uh, a cycle and the they didn't like that ga- game as well and so that actually was something for not holding up on, on it this game is lit very well yeah uh, that's fair i think it's 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 just very polygonal yeah the and playstation you were born in 2003 i was yeah Five years after this game, yeah, that's the, the that's the sixty four uh, that and the PlayStation and the Dreamcast and some of the PS two. That's very much and some of the GameCube. Uh, you would still they didn't define. All right, here's my kind of hot mm-hmm. take. That's not at all a hot take. They didn't get graphics nailed down until twenty like till like twenty ten maybe. Middle middle to late PS3, Xbox 360s when they really started to get yeah, realistic. It, when they started to get realistic yeah, down. Yeah, because even, even going back to like Uncharted 1, mm-hmm. it looks fine. But then you look at some of the details and it's like, that is murky as shit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, definitely. So what you're saying is I've been spoiled by yes. G- yes. good looking games. <laughs> yes, you're, you're going back. It's, it's the... Because you're a fucking toddler. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that different from when we talked about Arcade's Revenge. 
you're coming back from a uh, mindset that is quite a bit beyond when that what that style and things like that. So I can understand why you'd be like, well, I didn't. That style was was old by the time I was playing games. So I can understand that. It's like uh, it's like if you uh, were watching a black and white film. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, thanks. But like somebody who grew up in it, it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand that color looks better, but I grew up in this. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I have the same thing when I try to watch anything pre-1980 when it comes to movies. There's only like one or two that I can think of that have actually three, three, four. There's a couple that I can think of that I've hit. And here's me just uh, casually. Uh, and here's me just casually being like, ooh, movie that came out in 1974. <laughs> yeah. I like old shit. Same, same. Uh, but that you know, we'll we'll get there with Mason. We'll get him there. We'll get him there. Uh, but overall, okay, gonna, I I think I'm making you watch a black and white movie for the fucking podcast eventually. Is, yeah. I I think just in the end, like of all of us, uh, this is one of the best aged PS One games in my opinion. I don't know if it's the best. I think there's a few other, but like PS One has has a lot of rougher aging games same as we said with the 64 and the the places one because of graphic capability things like that that sometimes what they were trying to do the aging curve is a lot lot more uh this game ages really well okay our uh second question that we normally ask is about a remake and a reimagining well this game's already gotten a remake and a I was reimagining gonna, i was gonna say you i know, was honestly yeah. thinking about i was like how is how are we gonna what are we gonna say so i was really hoping sean just asked the question as is because i would i was gonna have a whole bit where i was like you know it'd be really great if they took all three games put them in a package uh redid the graphics redid you know, the voices maybe, maybe maybe reignited some things yeah maybe maybe call <laughs> hey, that's a great name <laughs> yeah you know what maybe they should do that all <laughs> so i think simply uh a very simple question to end this will be you know and this is more me asking you guys would you like to play more in this franchise yes Yee. absolutely absolutely just because i want to see where more what more they can do with this cuz that's that. That was my big takeaway from this game is that it felt. It feels basic. like a first game. It felt like a first game, which is but it which is fine. But I want to play more. I want to. I want to see what. Where I want to see where Spyro goes with this. Yeah, I'm also gonna add this comment because this was another thing that I was gonna say. If Sean asks remaster or remake, uh, obviously they've already gotten the remakes. Crash has gotten the four. Just give Spyro his. Yeah, like I'm not asking for a world changing thing, but you know, Crash has gotten his fourth game. He's gotten a fucking uh, team based multiplayer sports game now. Hell, he's had two fourth games. Yeah, so so just give Spyro his. I mean, Spyro's already had one fourth game, but you know, mm-hmm. mm, uh, so yeah, Spyro had give... the, the thing that's interesting. Spyro, unlike like Crash Bandicoot, that was kind of more like individual games afterwards. Spyro had a full trilogy that came, you know. Well, Spyro, you know, and it's then very, it's very interesting because Spyro literally had his trilogy, two games that followed on from that trilogy, a new trilogy, Skylanders reignited. Mm-hmm. That is Spyro's legacy. Whereas, like Crash Bandicoot has gone, you know, a long time. Skylanders kind of kept Spyro alive in a lot of ways. Well, it, it kept him alive, but in a way also kind of killed him because yes. he, he ended up not being the focus for a exactly. long time. I was going to say, it was called Skylander Spyro's Adventure, and mm-hmm. then that quickly was negated. Yep. 
Uh, so it, it was kind of it was both a positive that we Spyro existed, and it was a negative in that from that point on, the interest in Spyro maybe dipped a bit. But again, the Reignite trilogy did really well. Uh, but it was only made after the success of the uh, Insane trilogy. Uh, so it, once again, Spyro uh, going on the uh, coattails of Crash. <laughs> wow. But I I I I would love to see more Spyro games made. I would love to see them maybe. Uh, do more in the original style type of games. Uh, you know, a fourth game like they they did with uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot. They just make another reignited trilogy, but it's the Legend of Spyro. God damn it! All right, okay. I know I know this would never happen in a million years, but you know what? I want the next Spyro game to be like. I want it to be like Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> you just want to. You just want Spyro to say the fuck words. I do. I do. No, no, no. I don't want Spyro to say the fuck words. I want everyone around him to say the fuck no, words. No, see, Spyro everyone... being like, oh, my baby ears. No, see, the difference is they would tr- they would be the one being like, oh, sorry, Spyro, let me cover your ears. And he's like, no! <laughs> F that! I'm gonna go do my own thing and I'm gonna go burn things. <laughs> and one thing that is cool about... I want to turn Spyro into a little gremlin. See, I feel like Spyro would be the guy who'd like, uh... I forget what it is. I think it's a Looney Tunes uh, bit where... Bugs Bunny gets into a scenario and he knows it's stupid, but he looks at the camera for like a split second, like with a look that this is stupid and you know it, but I have to go along with it anyway because it's in the contract. That's what I imagine Spyro doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are there are things from this franchise and I would love to see it continued. But uh, what do you guys think? What's your uh, favorite Spyro game? What's your favorite uh, platformer from that PlayStation era? What's your favorite dragon that's true. What's your favorite dragon? Because <laughs> we went on that tirade beforehand. <laughs> uh, let us know. Send us an email to bleepyouplaying at gmail.com. We'll uh, read off any emails here on any episodes. Bleepyouplaying at gmail.com. Or, you know, maybe you want us to play one of those PlayStation platformers. Maybe you want us to play Spyro on the Game Boy. Well, you can tell us to do that by subscribing over on our Patreon patreon.com slash what the bleep our super bleep head tier $15 a month and you can tell us to play a game and we'll do it subscribe over there and let us know that and uh, we'll be back next time to finish off our series we've already told you it's Sly 3 we'll see you next time say, we already said it <laughs>